Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Lord Commander Ulrich, and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going tonight? I am tired, but I'm having a good time. I I have a friend down visit, Wretched actually, uh, is down to visit for a week, and we went out to the Renaissance Fair today. I got to eat uh, a, a dragon leg, which was a giant oven like smoked turkey legs is delicious the best part of any fair i also might have accidentally walked well us and our group accidentally walked through like the royal wedding we we didn't know that that's what was going on we just thought it was like more stalls and then by the time we figured it out you know, people were kind of giving us looks we had to ski out out it was an accident but we had to oh, backtrack down with the monarchy anyways all right fair enough all right well we're going to start this episode the same way we start every episode by thanking our patrons for their ongoing support they are Pam Galley, Marky, Orion McCann, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Craig, Reed D, and Steven. Now, if you'd like to join that illustrious legion, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. It only costs you 25 cents an episode, and it makes sure we can do this week to week. And speaking of this week, we have one of our uh, longtime friends on. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey everybody, it's Chris Chipman yet again, the Chippa from the Chippa Made This or the Chippa Slayed This because, you know, it's Twitter, Bootober, Halloween season, and we make up funky, silly, stupid names. How are you guys doing? Technical issues aside, pretty good. Yeah, we are Ulrich's behind the scenes having some technical issues, but don't worry, we have substitutions for the time being. My lady has donated her laptop to to uh, fill in the gap until Ulrich figures his stuff out. <laughs> So we had a fun idea for, you know, Bootober. We thought, what if we paired every horror movie villain ever against each other to figure out wow, who I don't was know about the best, ever. greatest, deadliest? Well, this is you know kind of a fun, you know, discussion because they all have their strengths and their weaknesses. And we thought maybe if we sat down and had, you know, classic bar discussion, we could figure out who maybe pulls. 36 okay. hours later, they came up with an answer. I'm not promising an answer i was gonna say i feel like there really isn't a, an obvious answer. i mean i have an obvious answer in my head but I, it's easy to argue these kind of things especially when it comes to horror icons like I, I guess we have to maybe separate the supernatural ones from the less supernatural ones like i don't know comparing mike myers to linda blair feels like a uh, uh you're, you're missing the point somewhere yeah people like ghostface really yeah aren't going to last too much longer. And I mean, depending on which interpretation you want to go of Michael Myers, you, you could go up against the lottery. You could go out. Of so yeah, he's so, pretty uh, spry for an older man in this most recent movie. So I'm thinking then, do we, do we each pitch our like favorite supernatural and then our favorite, I, I would say non supernatural with quotes, you know, um, and then maybe start there and see if that sparks discussion or, yeah, do we, uh, sure. or do we just start throwing them out at free random and see what happens? Well, I think start off with the basis minimum of structure and see what happens. Well, actually, if anything, I just like the idea of introducing at least your personal favorite. Doesn't have to be your pick, just your favorite. So we have an idea of where everyone's coming at, like influence wise. Okay, so I've been giving this some thought, and my brain immediately went to the blob. Like the motion, or the faceless, mindless, runs on instinct, it's just a blob of goo getting bigger and murdering things? Yeah, that, you know, classic, because one, that's like one of my earliest movies I remember watching, because my mom loved that movie, and we watched the original, and two, though, I was thinking about it, it's like, not a lot really kind of beats that thing. 
I'm trying to imagine Jason slicing it up with a machete. Well, oh, that's man. the thing. What do you got for us? I was just saying, oh man, you know, the, the idea, the blob and, you know, the body snatchers and, you know, um, zombies, you know, are all kind of stand-ins for like the inevitable end of the world or the inevitable tide of death. So you put any one of these regular Joe Schmoes or even regular supernatural guys up against the unstoppable tide. Uh, imagine like a 300 style zombie movie with like, for some reason, Jason or Mike Myers have to fight, you know, the dawn of the dead zombies that'd be kind of interesting i watched like that the, film i just like the idea of how gory it would be for jason to be slicing through already decaying people so yeah i'd watch a short film i don't know if i could make a whole 90 minute picture out of that but like a good 15 minute you know awesome kick-ass all the slashers fighting a horde of zombies that could be cool right it would just be interesting um my uh if I'm able to step in here, the one that came to my mind originally, I kind of went in the same direction as you, Ulrich, with something that was kind of more um, the like a greater like umbrella of thing as an evil bit rather than a particular single person. And I don't know if that's another category when we get into this, but I um, I picked the Deadites from the Evil Dead series. Oh yeah, that's a good one. And my reasoning is is that you know saying zombies is is cheap because zombies don't really have much character to them. They they mean something else. The the what happens to the main characters is more important. But in the Evil Dead series, the zombies had personality. They yeah. they had they had ulterior motives, and particularly in the um, Ash versus Evil Dead TV show, the body count is crazy high, and um, they they give you backstory and kind of you know, like I said, motive and motivation about what they're doing, and I. I, you know, when we put them in the pantheon of other horror movie villains, there, there's not mon many more iconic than that, in my opinion. Well, I like them because kind of like the titular, you know, 40K demons, you don't really kill them. You just banish them for a bit. Right. There is no end game. We kind of actually talked about that in our previous episode on the occult, how it's interesting that in most, uh, like, biblio mythology essentially demons are not ever you're usually killed they're sent back to hell so now we've created a really interesting so we've paired you know the slashers up against you know zombies so what if we did like a cult people like pinhead and freddy against an army of demons well as i'm gonna say actually i don't think pinhead fits there because pinhead was the one i thought of first because to me pinhead well, like chris mentioned this idea of these zombies and, and like dead eyes being this decay, this inevitable death kind of thing. That's why it used to this ultimate kind of unknown. You're usually trying to say something else metaphorically when you're dealing with zombies. But at a more kind of like literal level, Pinhead and characters like him fit this kind of interesting intersection between an almost a Lovecraftian eldritch deity of unknowableness with enough hard uh, iconography to like pin down more specifically on them. Like Pinhead is basically a Lovecraftian god, but he's also close enough to just like a, a you know biblical kind of demon that it's like you can kind of wrap your head around him without losing the purpose. And those kind of characters, I imagine, is like I, I love them for this kind of conversation, and at the same time, they kind of defeat the point of the conversation because how do you defeat just a Hell Lord? I don't know. <laughs> I think the Exorcist couldn't solve that problem. Well, that raises a question: If Freddy fought Pinhead, who would win? I mean, I would say Pinhead because Freddy is more like an agent of hell and Pinhead is a lord of hell. I mean, it's not actually hell that Cenobites come from, but you know what I mean? 
Yeah, but it's just I've like I've watched all the Nightmare sequels. I don't think I've watched that many of the Hellraiser sequels because I know their reputation. That is fair. I I, I think though Freddy's Endgame, if the movies went on for long enough, because Freddy was once human, that's been um kind of in his own torment because of what went down. I think his end game, if he exists in the universe with Pinhead is that Pinhead eventually takes him, you know, that's true. Yeah, I can see that. So I was just trying to think like there are, if that's like kind of its own category for me, which is, uh, Oh, essentially omnipotent beings. Like we're not, I'm not saying Pinhead isn't necessarily omnipotent, but for purposes of the story that he's in, he basically is. And that's where you also get characters like Linda Blair, who's, supposedly like straight up the devil you know at the end and these these kind of characters they're kind of their own uh separate thing that's usually where like gods fit um i know it's not a horror icon but you know, as a kid i found gozer terrifying so i'm gonna add you know something like that to the list uh, gozer belongs gozer very much belongs yeah Except gozer got defeated by four new yorkers with proton packs science over superstition buddy oh i am not, i'm not arguing that i'm just saying you know the thing didn't get it's questionable if the thing was even defeated. This is true. Like real quick, what is your guys' take on the ending? Is the thing defeated or is it one of them? For the thing, like John Carpenter's the thing, we transition to that. Yes. Uh, I would say the implication at the end is probably that it's still around. I would assume. Yeah. The, the thing. The thing. I think fits in with these like eldritch horror even though it's technically supposed to be alien it fits in with these eldritch horror kind of things where the, this this is not the last time we're going to see this fucker like the earth is doomed bye bye well, yeah, the other thing i was thinking like the thing because that's again i have a strong connection to that one because i watched it with my mom but how do you defeat the thing because each time you chop off a piece outside of fire you know entity like that head scene still haunts my dreams well, and since we're mentioning the, the thing, that brings me to another one that I thought of, which was um, the uh, uh, aliens from Alien. Well, the, the Xenomorphs are certainly the aliens are certainly the most striking horror icon, I think, because their design is so immediately classic and unique and recognizable. I mean, I was always more a fan of uh, of the Predator design um, in general because those two are always compared for you know obvious reasons, but I understand and respect the the alien design <laughs> big old wiener heads so while while we're in that mode um you know we get series you know we've talked about the thing we've talked about hellraiser we've talked about alien where those are horror series where the the villains have stayed villainous throughout the horror series um you know for the most part but it always brings me back when I think about slasher films to remind, you know, myself and who I'm talking to that the original Terminator is a slasher film and yeah, you know, at least it's structured like one. And I, I can't think of a list like this, even though, you know, the, the, the majority of people remember the more iconic idea that he's a bad, you know, form of a robot that was a slasher in the first movie turned good. I don't think we can discredit how freaking intensely evil the Terminator is in the original Terminator. Yeah, that's what yes. makes that movie so great. Is the exactly. And, you know, the kind of foreignness of Arnold. <laughs> okay, specifically, sure. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, it, uh, I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase this. But I think everyone gets my point. 
And speaking of that, since we're all adults, the the, the wonderful world of Blu-ray. I was wondering if who was going to mention that. Creating some amazing sharing on Twitter of um the fact that you can see all of Arnold in his nude scenes in that movie on the Blu-ray. Yeah, huh. I can I can I can never see Terminator the same way. You can't unsee that thing, dude. No, I showed it to Slagathor, and she was like, "Huh." Interesting. I can't believe he agreed to that. And I said, he was coming off Mr. Olympian. You know, they had to force close on him after that point. So speaking of other movies where I've noticed stuff like that, the Jaws um, Blu-ray transfer, the uh, the shots at the beginning of the movie of the woman swimming that are like so beautifully like, oh, cool. It's a silhouette. So she's swimming naked. But, you know, you know that, but you don't have to see it. Nah, dude, on the Blu-ray transfer, that's um, that's full on 70s. Uh, wow. Interesting. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Yep. Magical magic of Blu-ray. But Jaws, anyways, Jaws is an interesting idea because I think it's completely inarguable that uh, Jaws is like the most iconic sea creature at this point uh, for horror yeah. icons. Anyway, I'm glad you picked up on my transition. There. Yeah, I, was gonna I mean, ask. personally, I, I'm more of a uh, creature from the Black Lagoon kind of guy, but I'm I really dig those old black and whites. But uh. Maybe it's because I find the ocean actually terrifying. A creature from the Black Lagoon is kind of goofy, so it's easier to separate it from my actual I ocean love, fear. See, I love Creature from the Black Lagoon, but in my mind, it's not a horror movie as much as it is a classic creature feature. It's almost a love story. That's what Del Toro saw, and he won an Oscar. Exactly. <laughs> right? So I'm not going to contest that that man did not deserve that Oscar. So Jaws both, both eat, or Bruce, right, both eats the creature and uh, wins and. And whatever that cat like i mean is there any other sea creature icon that can even approach it like the kraken is not really a feat moby dick well have have you seen moby dick in what you consider a horror context though no 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 i'm just saying that i think if you know if these would have been helpful piece of crap i don't know if it's aged well enough i haven't watched it since it came out it has not <laughs> but i still love it speaking of anaconda well, while he's figuring that out, have you seen the trailer well, for the Jungle Cruise movie? Sounds good. So where were we? We were talking about megalodons and them and, sucking. Yeah, and exactly how they're basically just taking the idea of the giant shark, which Jaws already accomplished, and being like, well, let's give it a better, a, a different name. Well, what so if nothing really be? unique. So and yeah, I, mean, I think. Go for it. Sorry. It could be fun, but you almost have to scale up to just this ridiculous size and you have to lean into how dumb it is it's kind of a hard one to do which is maybe for better or worse why the asylum films have already kind of you know beaten anyone to that with making a shark a shark to puss the shark to puss uh see i was gonna say if we're going towards the giant sea creature route i'm a fan of the lake placid crocodile yeah the lake placid crocodile and um the alligator from the film alligator have either of you seen crawl yet I have not seen mm -hmm. that. It looked awesome. It, it looked like it was going to be fun, Schlock. I haven't seen it yet, but that's kind of, you know, fun to see. Again, B-grade creature features making a return. The thing that bothers me about Crawl, and I've heard that we got the best of the person who made it out of it, is that it's the guy that made High Tension. And I really, really liked High Tension up until its twist. And its twist made me so angry that I didn't want to see any other movies this guy made. 
And then um, he made the remake of The Hills Have Eyes, which a lot of people love, and I hated it. I don't like that movie. It's yeah. gross and unpleasant yeah. for the sake of being gross and unpleasant. But then he made all three of the Piranha remake movies, and they are all the. There's at least two. They had Piranha 3D and Piranha 3 Double D, and I thought they had Piranha 3 Triple D. Was the gag? I never heard about a third one, but I I never saw the second one. But I enjoyed the first one. They're both a blast, and he's the guy that made Crawl. And it seems like the Crawl Piranha type movies are the thing he's doing. So good, good on him. There's a niche to be filled by classic creature features. I mean, that's one of the oldest you know genres in the 50s was giant ants giant spiders and let's not forget giant rabbits ah the lepus another childhood classic i remember watching because i loved those as a kid oh i love the lepus so much well it ran you know during the day and it was scary without being too scary for a four-year-old which i think uh that covers all the the major sea creatures right I, so then we I move mean, to the land. The land. Just, so just monsters, right? So which obviously the first step is dinosaurs, right? Just basic dinosaurs. So we can, I don't know if we can count. Are there really that many dinosaur horror movies, I guess? I, I guess I think more of tension movies. Not really a Jurassic Park. The first one does well because it really treads that line in a lot of parts. I'd say even even the Lost World, the T Rex and Raptor hunting sequences are straight up horror. There's there's yeah. no way to get around that. And I feel like there's thirty some dinosaur movies of well, you know, all time that we've only remember like bits and pieces of, or they've kind of you know melded together because dinosaurs were a big thing both in the 50s and the 90s this is true and remember roger corman brought us carnosaur in the 90s and we can't have a conversation without talking about carnosaur all right well since you brought it up i'll let you carnosaur is terrible and carnosaur is great it's just a big dumb bad animatronic dinosaur and it's a roger corman movie and because we talked about creature of the black lagoon and schlocky things He's not the best version of a dinosaur um, horror movie icon, but he's like the dinosaur horror movie. That that was trying to be a horror movie, you know. So that's that's where I put it. Um, isn't there a Velocipaster that just came out? I wouldn't be surprised about a pastor who is a werewolf that turns into a Velociraptor. That's insane! Totally stolen from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. <laughs> yes, it is totally stolen from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. <laughs> Railway, and they bring these two British big game hunters to take it down, and it's a really good movie. In just yeah. evil it helped with the son-in-law U.S. upstate, you know, falls into this category as well. The wolves and Liam Neeson um, battling each other in the gray. But 
this this movie you know it's anthony hopkins and alec baldwin you know one of them breaks a leg so he's taking care of him and the bear like the bear it was um i think billy or bart the bear which was like a trained bear that was in a ton of movies in the 80s and 90s was the bear star of this and yeah i've heard of him it's uh, what one man can do, another can do. And then Anthony Hopkins, I'm going to kill the motherfucker, like chasing the bear. It's such a badass movie. And that bear is evil, 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 evil. And that, you know, so, evil bear. <laughs> so bears and wolves, um, the gray and frozen, not the Disney one. Um, I mean, I have to lean towards bear just because it's one of the written, like one of the unwritten rules of nature. One of the top three, don't mess with bears. No, yeah, the only animals huge and angry the only animals and that rule are are badgers and and eagles, and they can get away with it because they are like specially designed. But everyone else, no, you respect the bear. Well, badgers don't have a self preservation instinct. Uh, let's see other other animals, and I, I my mind goes to the stupid giant frog in like the residence, but I'm not counting that as a horror movie. So, I mean, I, is there? Can anyone think of a movie where there was like an evil elephant or an evil rhino? <laughs> No, Money. I feel like you could do something with an evil elephant, considering they are actually legitimately terrifying, just because they're so big. Yeah, but it'd be hard kind of hard. Out. Yeah, and you have to find a reason for the elephant to become evil. With lions and bears and tigers and shit, it's just like they're just doing what they do. So if they try and eat you, it's nothing personal. If an elephant tries to eat you, that's something personal. Did they ever make a movie about like the most famous uh, man killer lion? I remember reading a story about it a while back. Like there was this named lion that was supposed, or not a lion, I think it was a tiger. Actually, it was like the the single cat um, who holds the record for like most people killed. Like it it it, it attacked this area for like seven years or something like that before fight, they finally took care of it. Yeah, was, tigers don't fuck around with them. Yeah, I think there's I think there's a documentary about it actually. Yeah, it sounds about right. So I'm going to set this one up and let Chris take it from here, but The Ruins. So The Ruins, as in, um, you want to bring that up as like an iconic horror villain? Well, just an interesting one. Oh, no, I think it's great. So, oh, I'm so happy. The villains? <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. I'm so happy you brought this up. Have either of you guys seen The I have seen The Ruins, and it was on I your recommendation. Not. So The Ruins is... The Ruins is fucking brutal, number one. But number two, um, I think you're right that the Ruins actually do count as as an an iconic horror villain, even in one film, to be taken um taken as part of this conversation because so these people go on like a backpacking like thing in Mexico, I guess like Aztec ruins, but they get a guy being like doing the normal movie thing. Of, you don't want to go to the ones all the tourists go to. I got an extreme one. I can take you guys to, and he takes him to these ruins and they go and hang out on the top of it. And one thing leads to another. And I think one of the characters gets hurt. I forget exactly what goes down. Um, I think um, a plant may or may not like attack him. I think is what ends up going down. And one thing leads to another and they, they try to get down off the ruins and the village folk come around with bows and arrows and um, torches and stuff and basically say, no, you stay the fuck up there. And it leads you to um, the realization that these kids are a sacrifice and a sacrifice to what it's kind of obscure, but a sacrifice to the ruins and the ruins have these plants growing in there that are sadistic horror movie villains to the highest degree to the point where like they drop a, someone goes down there and gets attacked and 
the plant hears the cell phone ringing and the plant learns to make the noise of the cell phone to make them think that the person's down there and still alive to like suck them in. We, we haven't delved into slashers at all in this. Uh, well, for now, we can just talk about monsters, but you can apply the conversation to slashers when we, when you get there. I'm just, I was just curious. Is there well, well, if, if I had to cheat, <laughs> I would say that um, any of them that only live in the water, because then I just don't go in the fucking water. Right? I mean, same deal for me, I suppose. You put me in any horror movie with like a Jaws thing, I won't even be in that town. So. Yeah, see, my brain immediately started racking going, was there any movie about a succubus? Because, you know, that, that, that one's not that bad. Uh, wasn't that Jennifer's body? <laughs> har, 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 har. <laughs> Someone had to make the joke. Uh, I don't want to think about that. Anyway, uh, I guess if I was. Well, so I was trying to think about, like. I was thinking about Pennywise. Is when we think about that because I was I was thinking like the difference between Pennywise and uh, something like Pinhead. They're both like eldritch beings. But I was thinking like, man, I would probably rather be in you know dealing with Pennywise since there seems to be like a way to actually deal with him when it, when it comes to you know, land monsters. Uh, I mean, I'd probably just for my own sanity, I'd rather go with any of the horror monsters that are less insectoid because something about a giant like Grundlefly. No, I don't. Uh, I don't know no, they. Yeah, no, no. You know, it, it's funny that you bring that up. I, I like the when, when you have a supernatural style horror villain, but still is grounded in there's some sort of reality to it that you can take down. Um, I love, you know, one of the first wise for that reason. I think the Cenobites are scary, but they don't have an immediacy of scariness to me because it's that unknown horror thing, right? But Pennywise, Pennywise is a cool blending between that because he operates like a serial killer or a slasher, but he has the makings of an eldritch, like unknown, you know, overarching, you know, alien, you know, deadlights kind of thing going on. But you he can- know, that's that's why when we were talking to Colt, we were talking about like Lovecraftian kind of stuff and how it's really hard to make a good Lovecraftian movie because part of Lovecraftian horror is the unknown and madness and you can't you're not supposed to wrap your head around it. And I gave uh, Event Horizon as an example of like a pretty good um, stab at that kind of thing. But but it's interesting because it is, as you've put it, it is that, but it's like putting your toe in that while still being in the familiar territory of a slasher. So. Right. It it somehow grounds it to the point where I can go, okay, I can I can I can pit myself up against this thing because I know that there's rules that it still has to obey and there's a way for me to get out. Whereas the Cenobites or Event Horizon, I mean, Event Horizon, right? It's like straight up, no, you're in a ship that went to fucking hell. You're done. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> there's no getting out of this. Yeah, yeah. And, and exactly. And that's the thing with like those kind of, this is what made me thinking that, that yeah, I don't think uh, you can't get out of that situation, but the, what what ones like have rules and what ones don't have rules and when, is, when do rules like make it are a good thing or a bad thing we had this conversation before where basically if you apply too many rules you tend to really you know mess something up but uh so i i it. would i would say something like a bear or a lion then because that's the classic human man pitted against nature and nature has you know the upper hand but there's a way to get out. There's rules. This thing is alive. This thing can be taken down if you're intelligent. It's kind of the predator thing, right? Predator, you can win. You know what I mean? It, it, it this, The cards are stacked against you, but you can win. Yeah. If I know me, he won't like being kicked in the groin. <laughs> but it's like, it's like, I guess, the opposite for me, right? The one that I would least want to uh, like have chasing me. It's not even really a horror thing, but like I'm, I am ultra terrified of the Borg, 
and the entire concept of that. And that's like, that's like pretty far on my list of scares the hell out of me. And I don't want to, if I, I'll choose other things for, you know, I'll choose to be in dealing with it before I deal with the Borg, you know? Well, right. Because that's the, that's the thought process of not only am I going to survive, (laughs) but I'm going to survive and then be out of my own control. That that's kind of the type of horror, like a movie, like get out brings in. It's like, Oh no, 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 no. Don't worry. We ain't going to hurt you. <laughs> You're just no longer in control of your body, motherfucker. Oh, there's, there's I don't like that. a little more terrifying to that than me. That's why I've always loved the Borg, because they scare the hell out of me for that exact reason. It's like, you know, dying a horrible death in these movies is definitely a, an effective tool. But something about being a uh, and the ultimate prisoner trapped in your own body, like the existential horror of that, uh, it, it gets to me pretty hard. <laughs> See, I was thinking doppelganger because, you know, the joke, but that made me think of us. And I saw how that one ended. It's like, well, maybe I wouldn't be so successful defeating myself. Oh, no, no, no. They're a lot more motivated than I am. That's technically, I suppose, where you get something like the Matrix where you're uh, you're trapped. But at least in that case, there's the, um, well, the, the fantasy in front of you, but then that makes me think of something like upgrade where you've got something extremely direct and, but you are also at the same time, not no longer aware of what's happening. But I always figured that because it was like a, to him, it was supposed to be a dream, right? At the end, I, I totally imagine there would always be a moment in his quote unquote life where, where he pops up and the, I don't know, I loved upgrade. And suddenly the ramifications of that uh, ending are even like, I'm finding more things about them that are interesting. <laughs> uh, upgrade is, is just one of the most singularly great horror efforts of the last 10 years. In my opinion, the more I think about that movie, uh, also the director of it. I, I love Le Winnell who, who um, wrote saw. Um, I think he's awesome. And I upgrade his, his magnum his magnum opus in my opinion, but uh, he he's he's really salty and awesome on Twitter when uh, when Martin Scorsese was shitting on superhero movies. Lee Wanell's thing he he wrote like this big long thing like backing up superhero movies, and then he went yeah, but I'm also the guy that you know wrote a movie about a well, wrote wrote a movie with my best friend about um uh, a woman um who also is a puppet. And is a demon who rips up people's tongues. So who am I to talk? <laughs> and I'm like, this guy's great. <laughs> yeah, understandable. <laughs> By the way, I just want to bring it up. I don't know if he fits at all. Oh no, he does fit in this conversation. Did either of you guys ever see the Wraith? That sounds familiar. No, I have, actually. I have not actually seen it. I just know about it from like osmosis of certain things. But the Wraith is a 1986 movie about a kid, I I believe right? A kid who dies in a street race and he comes back as a haunted car to murder the other racers. Oh, I have seen this. This thing's wonderful. Can't say I know that one. So, so hey, that, that brings up a whole nother thing. What about Christine or the yeah, Wraith? I was just thinking about the Christine sucks because there's no way to win. I haven't like seen Christine. Sh- is this another car horror? Yeah, so this, this, is, was, uh, this was John, John Carpenter Car- adapting Stephen King. Ah, okay. I just, I just Google imaged it and I'm seeing all these pictures of a red car. So, Yeah, it's just a car that's evil for some reason because why not? I guess that we can use the duel for that in the psycho truck. So, also gonna, you know, oh, yeah. I was going to say duel, but you know what? I'd rather be pitted up against that than Christine. Yeah, because Christine 
again, they crush the car, and at the end, it's like, and I'm back. And it also has this weird kind of parasitic relationship with whoever, you know, the driver. So, so I'm guessing Stephen King was on copious amounts of cocaine when he wrote this so movie. much, so much cocaine and heroin and morphine. That guy, oh my god! I know he said that he can't remember writing Cujo because of that. <laughs> well, Cujo so, was early, early stuff. So I was going to say in in the um, in the backing you guys up and keeping the the conversation going. Have we beaten supernatural and monsters to death here? And maybe we move into a a new direction or we still got more to go. That's why I was kind of moving towards ghosts and possessions, but with the wraith and things. Okay, perfect. No, just checking. Yeah. I was just trying to like kind of move through. I mean, there are thousands probably more of like, you know how many monsters we can mention? Like I even mentioned the, uh, the attack, the block aliens, which we are kind of already talking about aliens and monsters and they fit both. So they do. So so if you're going to move into ghosts and possessions, in my opinion, there is none better as far as iconography and just horrifyingness and villainy than um, Samara from the Ring of Ringu. That's it. Done. Yeah. We don't have to talk well, about I'm any gonna others. I'm going to go, uh, what's her name from The Grudge? I mean, you could you could use either. I just, I feel that the, the ring is just, I had no oh idea God. that the ring girl had a name, Samara Morgan. Huh. I learned something. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. No, talk about movies that had a great first run and then progressively got worse. You know what's amazing about The Ring and The Grudge, um, but, but The Ring in particular, is the original Ring, Ring You, is a great fucking movie. And then the remake of The Ring is a great fucking movie. But then the sequel to The Ring, the, the American sequel, was directed by the guy who made Ring Gu, and it sucks. <laughs> It doesn't make any goddamn sense. So much confusion. I like I like that the the ring. It's funny because the ring to me always struck me as also being in that interesting kind of yeah. It's it seems like a kind of a straightforward possession, but I always feel like there was more. I don't know, uh, almost divinity going on there, like in the you know reverse way. But Japanese mythology is a interesting field of study. So that that's more a curse almost than a possession. Right, even the grudge is the same way. It's a curse. It's kind of more into the uh, um, gypsy, you so know. Guess, um, hey, drag, drag me to hell. There you go. Yeah. So I guess in that in that regard, it's like the um, evil items, or like the item itself is is evil. And uh, I'm trying to think, I know there have been plenty of examples of this. Usually, the Annabelle, the possessed doll, is one of the most well known ones nowadays. I, yeah, I was going to say we just watched Annabelle comes home, and that movie is nothing but see this in a movie someday. And like, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. It was still a fun movie, but it is a demo reel of other movies. That hmm. seems to be that whole brand, actually, which which I have no problem with. But that's exactly what they're doing. I mean, they're just throwing spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. That's how we got the nun, right? Well, James Wan came back to help on this one, so it really kind of feels a step up from some of the other Conjuring verse movies in that I, it actually I loved, is scary. I loved the last Annabelle movie. Yeah, the last um, Annabelle I movie is incredible. The one, but the, the prequel one, one, the first oh, Annabelle man. is bad. The second Annabelle is good. The third Annabelle is fun. Nice. I'm glad because it's literally like, hey, you remember all that creepy haunted demonic stuff? What if it all came to life at the same time? 
And I love it because, I don't know about you, but that samurai armor has been teasing me since The Conjuring 1. Oh, yeah. finally did something with it. Oh, can't wait. Oh, no, I have to see it. Oh, that's I, I was like, oh, they, they, they've been listening to me because it was in the trailer. It's like, they better do something with that fucking samurai armor because I want to know the story because everything else has an interesting story. How do you get a haunted suit of samurai armor? We're going to have to recircle to this when we do the James Wan thing because I want to hear more. Um <laughs> I, it's funny. I, I'm not gonna talk about it again, but Pinhead fits the ha- the technically the cursed object too with the puzzle box. So right, and then and then we've got you know you've got okay cursed houses. So poltergeist, I'm say the shining, Amityville horror, of, like the, the shining, shining. Yeah, big old hotel. <laughs> so yeah, any cursed place is is just automatically wins. I don't want to be there. I'm. And I loved that they did that in Ready Player One. I loved that they had the characters that didn't know The Shining. So throwing uh, them through that. Imagine, um, you guys have seen I mean, Freddy versus you guys have seen Freddy versus Jason and um, oh, Jason yeah. X and mm-hmm. Jason X. Yeah, I loved the two things they played within those movies. Where I love the idea of Jason being stuck in a Freddy dream, which is really cool. And I love the idea in Jason X when Jason goes into the holodeck. And just they they cut in and he's just just a sleeping bags full of counselors just beating the shit out of them. And, was, and uh, so what I was going to say was imagine taking like a Freddy or a Jason or a Hellraiser folk and sticking them in the Overlook. Oh man, it's funny because I like to imagine the the idea. I always love the idea of pitting like enemies from different games or different shows against each other i don't know why it's just fascinating so then you have like taking say freddy right and uh he's trying to enter some people's some person's dream who's sleeping out you know in the hotel at the shining hotel and like while he's messing with them suddenly just the ocean of blood comes and washes fred freddy away and he's like what's going on and just fighting with we- creepy imagery <laughs> Right. This is an interesting thing because the overlook, you know, is a representation of damaged humans. Like it's a, it's, you know, the, the whole thing that Stephen King played with was, it was a um, supernatural manifestation of damaged people. And that's like, you know, silent Hill is the same idea, right? It's not necessarily the town that's evil, but the evil is manifested by the people and what they did there in their lives. And um, I would love to see a supernatural being that came from pure hatred and evil be pitted up against the pure hatred and evil created from like the, the depths of like human insanity, you know what I mean? And see if they can handle it, you know, would be really cool. Oh yeah. I mean, the negotiation for the rights would be a nightmare, but I would love to see that movie. Well, see, that's the thing. I know Jason or Freddy versus Jason wasn't commercially or critically successful in any way, but I feel like it was completely successful at the thing it was trying to do, which was be a cheesy romp with Freddy and Jason. And I would love to see that attempted more often. Problem is, it's not profitable. <laughs> which I can't believe not it wasn't one profitable. Bit. Yeah, but that's it's. It's funny that Bride of Chucky made more money than that movie. The the same guy directed both of them. Um, I I like him. He's he's kind of just like. He makes very um I forget his name and I don't really feel like looking it up right now but he directs very uh clean looking horror films like it, it, he just has a good look yeah I, I can I agree with that and maybe Freddy versus Jason I mean this is kind of hard to have an unsuccessful horror movie because they're so expensive to make and I kind of wonder if Freddy versus Jason maybe didn't make money because it cost so much to get the rights to those characters because I know it was stuck in production hell forever 
Well, that's, and that's why, why we uh, never got the sequel, Freddy versus Jason versus Ash, is because they couldn't get the money to, you know, get the rights. Well, that's why something like Cabin in the Woods is partly so awesome. Is it's like, hey, look at all these not the characters they definitely are interacting with each other. <laughs> yeah, so j- just just stop listening to this right now and go watch Cabin in the Woods and come back. That's basically yeah, yeah. what we're doing here. Even even if you've already seen it, just go watch it again because that movie rocks. <laughs> Yeah, and it it really is, you know, it's like we could spend literal millions getting all the characters or we could tweak the design just enough to not have to pay anybody and horror fans will go, oh my God, that's... Uh, Lord Fornicus, the <laughs> hell lord of bondage and pain, may be an obviously pinhead, but I actually like his design better, so... <laughs> I love that, that you know his name? name. I love it. Yeah, Lord Fornicus, the Lord of Bondage and Pain. I it's on the Cabin in the Woods wiki. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't realize he had a name. He is supposedly the most powerful thing that the Institute has. So See, I don't know why they never made that a show. That could be an incredible anthology series. Well, I mean, just the the fun at the very core of literally the, this entire conversation built into a movie, you know? I remember, yeah, I remember the first it. time we watched that together because I didn't watch it in theaters. And uh, instead, we were like all sitting on my, my living room couch, uh, me and my friends up here, actually, like Ulrich was with me. But the first time I saw it and the second that the uh, the the whiteboard came up, we like paused. They were like, what? What? And we spent like a good while just being excited at that. that just that cue, you know, <laughs> my favorite joke in there is there are, se- there are witches and then there are sexy witches. Yep, that is the best joke on the whiteboard. Very important distinction. Also allows us to count a unicorn as a land horror monster. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Now that you bring it up, unicorn wins. <laughs> I don't know. The merman, the mermaid still. Oh, the mermaid. I, I like the uh, evil, what did they change? Evil molesting tree. <laughs> Just yeah, try to be a Evil little molesting tree. Yep. I'm also a big fan of. I know that Kevin the Woods employed the uh, the giant bat, and I was like, "Where has been the actual horror movie of the giant bat?" I'm curious because I'm betting that's bats. just just bats. That that's I thought that movie. was like regular bats. No, that's the movie. It's called Bats. Yeah, but it is just regular bats. He's right. I wonder if the creeper technically like jeepers creepers. Fly. Oh my god. Yeah, I, I love jeepers creepers too. It's bad, but I. I love that scene so much where he lands on the top of the bus and he's just like looking at them through the back window and, and motioning to the ones he wants to eat. Like so wonderful as a scene. Well, again, it was a movie kind of realizing it was dumb and leaning into it the correct way. Yeah. I never even saw Jeepers Creepers one. I just happened to see two when someone in my house was playing it. And I was like, this is fun. I would argue two is better because two is so much more fun and just dumb camp. And he, he definitely kind of fits the, I mean, he's like a demon and he's like a mutant and he's also like a tall man style body collector. So he's never also really the tall explained. man, I got to put the tall man forward just because any excuse to mention phantasm, I'm going to take it. Yeah, no, absolutely. The, the, the tall man. And again, I like the tall man for iconography because he's really obscure, but he is fucking evil. And that's you know, my thing. Not every take the time to to mention Phantasm when I can because I love Phantasm. I haven't seen it in years. It's been it's been a while because I'm not into horror movies, and I still love Phantasm. Like the imagery of the tall man and the death spheres and the the dimension. It just that sticks out with me, man. And uh, yeah, the tall man himself is an unambiguously capital E evil figure. 
And I know they kind of fall into the alien category, but you can't mention the tall man without me thinking about Dark City. Have you seen uh, Dark City? Clive Barker? Nope. Nope. Um, Dark City is, I think it's Rufus Sewell. And um, uh, I'm going to forget his name now, but um, the guy from The Lost Boys, the, the most well known actor from The Lost Boys, Kiefer Sutherland. Um, and uh, Rufus Sewell is a guy that keeps believing that his life is being changed. Like he keeps having visions of a different life. Okay, he, I've seen, I've seen clips of this, or not clips, yeah. uh, uh, pictures. I've seen, I've seen this movie. It's just been a long time. And there's these creepy, like Nosferatu, tall man-looking guys that move around the city at night that he sees, like injecting people with new memories and fucking with them. And it's such a creepy movie, and I, and I love the hell out of it. There's a nice little quick segue since this conversation is about a lot of things. Just for a moment, if we focus on the strength. What are like? Do we think of the most powerful uh, movie screen vampires specifically? It's probably a version of Dracula, but which one? Because like, I just got to think about like Nosferatu, and Nosferatu is a great design, but he's pretty slow. And, you know, it's like take the Dracula from uh, or any of the Corvinius characters. I'm like, so what? What vampires come out on top of a pit fight? <laughs> well, are we leaving it to singular vampires? Yeah, just one. You just get one. I was going to say because you know the we can leave out, but they're interesting to talk about the Reavers from Blade Two and the vampires from um, Thirty Days of Night, which are more pack hunters, more like zombie type or wolf, you know, like or scavenger like, um, are just you know in in mass really fucking badass. But singular vampires, oh man, as va- vampire villains, yeah, like probably Witch Dracula. I mean, I'm, I'm personally a fan of the. Uh, the Dracula from Castlevania, the 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 show, but that's not really a horror show. So, like, what's well, more of a straight up horror usage of vampire that is also probably the one that you most, you know, it's not like like Dust Till Dawn is great, but those those vampires fall apart pretty easily. <laughs> so yeah, th- think... th- those those vampires are the uh, are the you know first first wave in in from Dust Till Dawn. Um, I, I still gotta go with Nosferatu all day long for me. I think he's. I think he's he's the fighter. You know what I mean? He's he's the most animalistic. He's the most um, the claws. He's been there forever. You know, maybe Dracula because you know he carries himself with the swagger. I think Nosferatu would kick his ass, though, in my opinion. Really, you think Nosferatu beat up? Dra- I, I mean, it might depend on which Dracula. Like Bela Lugosi's Dracula might get stomped on, but you know, there's some more recent Draculas that are kind of ridiculous. <laughs> That's you true. Know, it's just Nosferatu is a monster. To me, I do like you know, I do like the idea of the, as a monster, certainly. Nos Nosferatu like falls into like the Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde thing, where it's like this is like you know this is this is something more than just you know a vampire turned human. This there's something otherworldly about this guy. Well, he definitely is the scariest, I'd say, uh, vampire in my my experience. My personal favorite vampires are probably the ones from uh, Daybreakers, but I just love all the playing around with the the rules and the the imagery that that movie does. That that is pretty fantastic. Yeah, well, Daybreakers is just awesome in so many ways. I did like the kind of like badass like empire like um you know old world empire imagery they did in uh, Underworld. With the vampire clans, I could yeah. see like one of those leaders being pretty badass in a fight. When I think of those, I think of like the Legacy of Cain games. Like oh, I know shtick. what I'm gonna say. The Legacy vampires from uh, 
still kind of in the pack hunter, but the vampires from Priest on their own are still pretty kick-ass. All right, well, on a, on a related note, just because it's the two obvious one, vampires are usually paired against or with uh, werewolves. And can we just say American Werewolf in London and move on? I mean, is there yeah, really no, any no contest. No contest. I mean, that one is definitely the scariest. Maybe the ones from Dog Soldiers, because they kind of terrify me. But American Werewolf in London's transformation scene alone like gets gets all the points <laughs> that I have well, to give. We've talked before. There have never really been... There's not like, a handful of decent werewolf designs. Well, I've always been partial to the wolf man as a werewolf design, just straight up like, you know, the bulky, like incredible Hulk, like proportioned guy with the wolf head. Um, but you, he, he just doesn't win against, you know, the actual he, he wolf, you know, that is the American werewolf in London wolf. It just, there's no contest. Werewolf, their wolf over there. Wolf too. Yes. I love yes, that. Indeed, <laughs> I love that the sequel to, we're werewolves, not scare wolves guys or square wolves. <laughs> uh, all right. That was, uh, I mean, that was interesting. I was never a big fan of underworld as a series. I think I, but I didn't give it a fair shake because I always was so bothered by the world design in that movie. Does that make me petty? A little bit. No, it, it does not. Like everything else with that movie is just fine. I just didn't like the werewolf treatment, and it bothered me. <laughs> so, whereas those, a movie, oh, those say, movies, a movie like uh, like Van Helsing, like that movie is not great either. But I love how werewolves are done in that movie specifically. So, yeah, I agree. That's another good example. But I will say, yeah, the one that scares me the most is still American Werewolf in London. That face, and you only see its face like twice in the movie, but it's it's horrifying. So we've gotten kind of away from you know. Uh, we're moving in a direction there's there's a small collection but a growing collection of home invasion style horror movies with some pretty iconic like uh, um, your villains like your next or um the the uh, <laughs> uh yeah your next us there's um the strangers there's Strange. them Damn. um who who do you think comes out on top out of those groups the tethered the home invasion groups. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to go with Ulrich on the tethered. I don't think there's anything more more horrifyingly concocted than pitting yourself against yourself. I want an honorable mention for the Krampus. Yeah, oh, but that's, that's a good one. So much. Yeah, that movie was so fun and also yeah. a little creepy. <laughs> yeah, that's a perfect black comedy. But I just love the idea of. Uh, of a horror, a horror Santa Claus, which is what the, the the Krampus, at least in that movie specifically, is doing. So, let's see. I think uh, I think that brings us. I mean, we could go on forever, but uh, we never really came to like answers in a lot of these. Obviously, except for I think we figured Jaws is a shoe in for sea creatures. But at least this, I think with uh, we mentioned we skipped over slashers a bunch of times. If we're talking like non supernatural slashers, like we can't have you know Jason, obviously, like Michael Myers an easy slot right but like only for the first two movies because then immediately after that he becomes supernatural i I even argue in the most recent one he's a bit too tough i would argue though because of the retconning they did with the most recent one that i'd put michael myers in at least the top five just because of how how great they retconned and stuck with the character because you know rob zombie tried to make michael myers you know 
pretty grueling and beastly and badass, but that doesn't work as well as just bringing back the original guy and just having him be fucking evil. And, and I love Michael Myers for me always comes near the top of this list in I, I want to leave out the supernatural crap that I did with him because I think all that's garbage. But just as like a straight, pure evil human, um, because he toys, he's sadistic. He makes like little like horror vignettes with his kills and fucks with people and like just plays with them like they're like mice in a maze. And I've always loved that about that character. Yeah, I love the idea of. Again, I, we talked about this before. I, I have these weird kind of ideas of, hey, let's take these alien races and put them on a planet in different places, see which one takes over the world first. So similar thing. It's like, I don't know, put a, put Michael Myers in like Leatherface. And uh, I know he's supernatural, but he fits the slash world like Chucky in a um, like a big apartment building and, and see who comes out both uh, with the most kills and having killed the other killers. So, you know. So I got distracted laughing at my the best line from the Halloween remake. Damn it, I got peanut butter on my dick. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, that line kills me every time because it's such a weird line. Did you guys see? I feel like Hellfest was a weird fever dream. I've heard of it, but I didn't watch it just because I'm so tired of that trope. What's the trope? It's was it the it's a haunted house fair whatnot, but it's real and there's a serial killer and it just, I don't know why, but no one seems to be able to do it right. It's kind of like black Christmas. No one can seem to get that movie right. Well, that's the thing with Hellfest is that, like I said, it feels like a fever dream to me because I watched it. I know I've watched it and I don't remember ever watching it because like the, I can, if like picture all the scenes, my and there's no like haunted anything. It's just a guy who's killing people. But the ending is one of the weirdest nonsensical endings for me that I've seen with a, a slasher movie because it's pretty common to have the whole like oh the slasher still alive zinger. I mean that happens all the time. But the fact that uh, in Hellfest, I, oh, spoiler alert, in Hellfest not only is he like still alive, but he just like comes home and he's just got this young daughter and he just like puts his axe away and then that's like it. It's like. Just had to show us that he had a daughter too, for some reason. <laughs> just for some reason, exactly. So where um where in this pantheon of weird does Jigsaw fall in? Jigsaw's Jigsaw. straight up a human. I'd say he he fits in this kind of like he's he's basically a slasher. It's just that he forces people to do the the deed themselves. <laughs> because he even also- though even though that movie is mixed, that that series is kind of mixed and jumbled in quality, the through line of ethics and morals they give that character um, throughout is is quite interesting for a slasher. You know, kind of more insight than we get. Oh yeah, no, I agree. I'm not a fan of the Saw movies, but the story they created is entertaining enough. And I mean, he's an interesting. It's an interesting uh, take. I'll give him that. I want to say, like, right now I'm thinking, uh, if you put all these characters we're talking about in a, a arena, right, because we're battle royale, and give them all the, there are tools available to kill each other. Like, none of the immortal ones come in here, because that's, then, I'm thinking, well, first of all, I don't even know if Jason applies, but he definitely comes out on top if he does, because that's kind of his whole thing. But, like, as far as regular people go, like Michael Myers, even before he became supernatural, had that weird kind of quality of being just, you know, huge. And basically you can keep stabbing him and he doesn't seem to care. So he was supernatural kind of before he was supernatural, just in his ability to keep on killing. 
And I mean, as a senior citizen, he gets hit with a car and gets back up. So I think just by that nature, probably the nature of having the most movies as well, he probably takes the I'm, you know, Battle Royale with all the actual other just regular people. So. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he'd, he'd kick Jigsaw's ass in minutes. Right. The only question I thought was Leatherface, because Leatherface is also pretty big, but he hasn't shown the yep. same level of, uh, I get hit and by also, a car and everything's fine. And also, Le- Leatherface is is a wild card, because Leatherface is not kind of in any sort of control. Do you know what I mean? Le- Leatherface is like, a, you know, you were you release within the, the confines of the building and the grounds that they're on in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Leatherface is very dangerous. But you put him, you know, in in a room evenly pitted with it. it, it it's just no contest. He's going to get taken down, in my opinion. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, I don't know why. Suddenly, Crywolf came to mind, and I'm like, no, I don't think she would last very long. <laughs> you mean Cry underscore Wolf? I believe so. <laughs> I just remember that movie left me feeling uncomfortable for a long time. But <laughs> I will have to say that if I I was ever pitted up against a human without any supernatural side horror movie icon myself. Um, I'd want to be no, no contest against any of the people they've had as the killers in scream because they're all regular people and they're all idiots. Yeah. That's the important part. They're also all morons. (laughs) The only reason they have any sort of leg up on people is, is because it it, it screams a fake universe. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's intentionally telling you that this is not, within the confines of reality, it's playing with horror movie tropes. It's like these people are doomed because they fit a particular um, piece. They need to fit in the puzzle in the real world. Those guys don't succeed. You know, I just realized that I, cause the whole time in the back of my mind, I was like, you can't really compare all of the, the super supernatural characters because figuring out how they go against each other just doesn't work without any sort of context. Things like uh, comparing, you know, the, the, de- the, the ghosts of poltergeist against something like Gozer. Just, you can't really make any kind of comparison, really. But I realized there is at least one, I'm going to call it a horror movie antagonist, that kind of by its very nature would, quote-unquote, come out on top. And that would be uh, the concept of death itself in the Final Destination franchise. It's yeah. actually funny that you mention it, because when you sent me this the, for the very first time, that's the first thing that popped into my mind, and I thought it was too easy. Yeah, I didn't think of it until just now, but it's like the the it's literally statistical whatever is going to happen to kill whatever it is. So whatever you are, if you're a god, death still applies to you at some point, and that's basically all that's going on in those movies. So, but here we go. I'm I'm going to humanize it now because this is what I thought of, and we can make this a joke if you want. But I would argue that the actual angel of death in the Final Destination films is John Denver. I agree, Denver. <laughs> Well, even on a jet plane is always playing um, anytime somebody's about to die. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry. I did that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. We actually found an answer to a question we had no intention of answering. It's death. And in this case, death accompanied by the smooth tones of John Denver. I'm wondering if there's any, uh, I mean, it's kind of, well, that's the, uh, the Jeepers Creepers thing. Jeepers Creepers one, right? It's a song, it's audio. It's, but really at the end of the day, yeah, it's just like, you can't kill death itself. And there's very few. So I guess, I guess, uh, the ultimate horror movie monster would be something like the seventh seal. If you consider that, you know, terrifying, which I could understand. (laughs) 
All right, then. Well, this has been a great conversation. Uh, we're going to kick it over to you now, Chris, to plug your stuff as a thank you for coming on and talking with us. Oh, I really appreciate that, guys. Um, So as you guys know or may not know, I'm Chris Chipman, the Chippa. The Chippa made this. Um, I do the Chipman Brothers Tangent with my brother, Movie Bob, Creating Geeks with my wife, the Talkbuster podcast, and Shooting the Shit with Chippa. And I'm also um, one episode into my right now patron-only show, um, Hopped Ones, which is my little playoff on Hot Ones, the Spicy Wing Challenge show, except we do it with beer. Um, we've recorded two episodes. Uh, the second one's coming soon. Um, I hope to have um, at least Ulrich. I know, Axel, you're not as into uh, the beer things, but I, I just want to get as many people on the show as I if can because I think it's a blast. See, the thing is, if you wanted me on, it would have to be like shots of different kinds of liquor because when I drink, I I don't mess around with beer. I'm not a fan of hop flavors. So, Interesting. Uh, but I'm a whiskey. I'm a whiskey and scotch fan, and I love mead and things like that. I just don't like beer. I would be very, very willing to do that version of the show with you. I would probably kill me, but I'd be worth it. <laughs> well, we could we could do it maybe as a sipping thing because I actually had to tone it down after the first episode on how much beer I poured too. Because yeah, I would totally come on. I'm just I was letting you know the format ahead of time, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that, but that that's where I'm at, and I I always love being on here with you guys. So thank you so much. All right, well then we let's have you on. So Ulrich, why don't you do our little our little thing we do at the end? <laughs> you can start us off. Yeah, we're going to do our suggestions of the week. And I didn't really plan this uh, to go accordingly. It's just kind of fun how it turned out. Uh, my suggestion is What We Do in the Shadows, the movie by uh, Taika Waititi. If you haven't seen this and you liked Thor Ragnarok or you just like kind of weird supernatural comedies, you got to check this out. Uh, the story is there are three vampires living in a house in New Zealand and a documentary crew that's, you know, documenting their lives. And it is that same weird off-brand humor that he is so quickly becoming known for. And it's freaking hilarious. The problem is that you never do the bloody dishes. There's a lot of puns, and I hate puns, but they work in this movie. He stays up all night doing his dark bidding. Yes, and uh, Taika Waititi is the main vampire, and he is also hilarious. It's it's one of my favorite movies of of basically all time. I I love it to death. If you're looking for a good you know Halloween movie to put on, but you don't want something horror, you know, bloody, gory, whatnot, watch this. It's freaking hilarious. And like I said, if you like Thor Ragnarok and you like that comedy, I guarantee you're going to like this movie. Have you heard what they're calling the sequel? No. We're wolves. Awesome. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, my suggestion of the week is a book. I've been, I'm not actually suggesting Shogun by James Clavel because I've only just started reading it and I haven't gotten far enough to recommend it, but it is interesting. But so I thought, what's a book I don't think I've talked about before? And every now and then I think of in middle school, I read a book called uh, Boy's Life, uh, written in 1991 by Robert McCorn. McCammon. There we go. Have you guys heard of this book? Can't say no. I have. Okay, here's what's interesting about it uh, and why it, it's some only somewhat relevant. This is a story that is very much a uh, To Kill a Mockingbird Sandlot kind of thing for the most part, where it's just this kid in the 1960s, uh, early 1960s, and just his life in this town. But it is punctuated in certain chapters. Literally at the beginning, the first thing that happens in the book is like the kid and his dad uh, – Accidentally, well, not accidentally, they see this car 
go off of this cliff into a ring with someone in it. And the dad goes and swims and try to catch to save them. But when he get, opens the car, it's a woman who's already dead and like strapped to the, the wheel. So you get this, this book, this regular book, that's basically the sandlot again, but it's punctuated by this, this uh, horror mystery tale where the father's having these intense nightmares about this woman um, in, in the car and the bottom of the lake pulling him down to his death. And this is like weird mystery story that the, the very obviously the writer didn't actually want to do. Cause he like, it's just a super interesting book that has this like almost horror thing jammed into it. But then there's a whole sequence in the middle of the book where using a character inside the narrative representing himself he comments on book publishers forcing authors to put in whatever's popular, like a murder mystery, into a story just about a town. So anyway, I know there's a lot to ramble, but the point is it's a really fun novel book, and I, uh, I recommend it. Boy's Life, or McCammon. There's also a dinosaur at one point. Don't ask how. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. No. So, so, so because because I'm fading fast, I'm going to jump into mine next. Um, I want to recommend a movie I've been picking up um, on horror-ish films because it's horror season, hence why we're doing this episode of this show. And I saw a recommendation from Scott Wampler, who's a, a critic that I follow on Twitter. He recommended this film called Lake Mungo. I had never heard from it before. Of it before, have you guys heard of it? Sounds vaguely familiar. Okay, so it, it's an Australian film. It's a first-time director. Um, it's horror-ish. I won't say it's necessarily a scary movie or a violent movie, but it's horror-ish. And it's um, a found footage movie, which I normally am getting sick of, but I found a few lately that have worked really well. The catch on this particular one is it's about a family whose daughter drowns and um they're obviously shaken by it and going through like the motions of dealing with it and getting past it um and they set up their found footage style thing to be like an unsolved mystery style like episode about the family and what went down so they use those tropes and they use those and you won't believe what happened next kind of stuff to really drag you along and really mess with you um it would make a perfect double feature with the cal pen um, sorry, John Cho. Uh, why am I messing up Harold and Kumar? Um, John Cho movie Searching, which is I very similarly <laughs> themed, but this one is more moving on the horror side and Searching was more on the realist side. But the fact that they used like the Unsolved Mystery style setup to stage it is perfect. I don't want to say anything more. You just have to see it. it it's a gem. It came out of nowhere. All righty then. I'll definitely add that to the list. All right, well, normally when we finish suggestions, it's time for a quick round of, hey, what platform are we on? Well, I don't know what platform you're listening to us on, but hey, thank you. We're all we're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and Pocket Cast. If there's one you want us to look at, tell us what it is. We'll look into it. Thank you. Yeah, and considering we may or may not be going on a brief hiatus after this episode, now's the time to share that, you know, your preferred player with your friends because that's how podcasts grow and, you know, succeed. And we'd like to grow and succeed. So, so once again, thank you, Chris, for coming to join us. We always love having you. So you're very welcome. All right. Ulrich. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And a shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time. And as always, stay honorable.